Mike Rowe here with a radical idea. If you want to see more companies make more things in this country, buy more things from more companies who make things in this country. I refer in this case to the incredible t-shirts, sweatshirts, blue jeans, and more made by my friends at American Giant. Everything American Giant makes is made in the United States. And right now, you can take 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com slash Mike. That's American-Giant.com slash Mike. We're going to bring you on to our huddle. You are in. Where's huddle with me, Bram, and with me, per usual, my master of all things video and sound, Maxime. How's it going? I'm excited to announce one of my favorite guests, maybe my favorite guest who has not been in for a while, a noted sports author with bylines at the Ringer, the Herald, Real GM, and fan sided. The former Warriors beat writer for the Barian News Group, the current host of the Locked On Heat and Locked On NBA podcasts. And a man I can only hope will hand us a few credit cookies for our work with him today, <laughs> Mr. Wes Goldberg. What's going on, Wes? What's your favorite kind of cookie? hard that's a hard question um i want to impress you with something out of the box you know like some kind of like peanut butter chocolate yeah. cookie but really it is something cheap like the chips ahoy uh <laughs> chewy version like not the hard Ooh. ones the chewies dude oh Those you and i couldn't disagree more on that the, the crunchy ch uh chips ahoy is much better than the chewy one I never even understood the people who thought that way it makes zero sense it's like the people who like black licorice there's more of them out there but i just why the hell would you want it to be hard if it could be chewy it makes no sense to me the, the point that you do have on that is that I do tend to just take the hard cookie and dunk it in milk until it's soft. Of course you do. We all do. Or you heat it up. We all actually right. take measures to make it soft. Whereas Chips Ahoy has already done it for us. Like, why the fuck mess with perfection? How you been, man? We uh, we missed you. It's been a while. I've been good, man. I've been good. Yeah. Um, a little bit better than the Warriors have been. But also a little bit better than the Heat have been, the team that I'm yeah, covering now. So it's... Uh, you didn't have to make me defensive. We were just getting along on the fucking cookie thing. It feels like we're in a good place, but yeah. also you uh, like the professional you are of giving us the transition. Let's talk Warriors, big man. And let's start with our glass half full. You'll remember, look back, recent Warriors hoop, something you like, something you don't. Sounds like I'm going to have to come up with some things I do like because you may have some negativity here. Uh, but I'll, after you, Wes, what do you got? I'll start with what I like, actually. And I like Jonathan Kaminga. I, I love how he's kind of carved out a, a, not just a role in the rotation. He's playing, what is it? It feels like he's playing 40 minutes a night now. But, like, I, it feels like he's sort of found his voice for the most part in what it is that he's supposed to do. He still, like, has his moments where he's like, all right, I got to dribble into something stupid every once in a while. But, like, if you're, that's fine. Like, I'll give him a couple of those per game. That's okay. As long as he's playing defense well, running the floor, uh, and, and doing the things that he has to do. I, I got to say, I didn't expect this from Kaminga. I thought I was sort of out. I was sort of out. I thought that the Warriors should trade him. I never thought he would get a chance like this on, on a veteran team. But, hey, I guess all it takes is for, like the veterans not to be good anymore. And now you get into the starting lineup, and then you get that opportunity that I never thought he was going to get with this team dating back to – it's why I said that they shouldn't even draft him. I just never thought he was going to get that kind of opportunity. Lo and behold, here we are. He's got the opportunity, and he's making the most of it. So I think that's got to be the glass half full. Love this. Um, Sopranos. I was late to enjoying the Sopranos. First season, I had a couple conversations with friends where I told them, like, ah, eh, I don't really see it. It shows kind of boring. I don't like the therapy shit. I was out. And then, you know, season five, season six, a thousand Emmys in. Everybody loves it. 
not only did I tell everyone I loved it, but I desperately hoped that they didn't remember what I told them, you know, during that first year. And then we, we all kind of pretended that like it didn't happen. We played this game. Same thing for Kaminga, Wes. Like I've, I'm all the way on board, love his future. And I desperately hope that no one remembers some of the, you know, maybe slow to appreciate comments I had. Were you saying uh, that on the podcast or were you just saying it to people in your life? A little bit of both. A little okay. bit of both. The ones I'm most worried about, you know, we have Kristen Peak on here. She's our draft analyst. Yeah. And I will job. occasionally text with her. And because it's not in a public setting, I'll be a little bit more hyperbolic, you know. Yeah. And when he's had a couple of bad games, there's a few texts I hope were erased. I mean, we don't <laughs> need to uh, like go back through them now, but you know, it got it got a little ugly. Um, I've got some glass half full things here, but Maxine, why don't you go, man? We haven't heard from you. Well, uh, if that is the glass half full, maybe I'll give the glass half empty. I don't know. Maybe I'm just trying to play devil's advocate here. I don't know if I'm fully convinced by this, so I just kind of want to throw it out there, get your guys' takes. Jonathan Kaminga is fantastic. There's just no question that all, all of what Wes said is true. And I'm a little bit worried. Is he actually the type of person that is just like more of a Zach Levine, granted with a bit more of an, a willingness to play defense, but is never going to actually be the person that's going to take a team to mm -hmm. the championship level and instead is going to be a great point of attack uh, offensive uh, minded person who can play on ball defense but can't really do the orchestration on either end and actually right now the Warriors are talking themselves into wanting to keep him long term we know Joe Lacob loves him when actually this is the moment to trade high on this guy get back some pieces that can actually help because he's never going to be better than Steph we know that right maybe right. there's a 1% chance that I'm wrong Maybe there's a 0.1% chance that I'm wrong. I would say that's more likely. But I think we're pretty convinced he's not going to be better than Steph. Steph is right now. Can we actually get something fantastic for Kaminga that gets Steph a fifth title? Because I don't know that Kaminga running a team will ever get us one. I'll push back a little bit on that. All right. Here's how I will push back. Will will I understand surrounding Steph with the people that will give him his best shot at that fifth title, right? And is is Kaminga the best person they can put there? I'm not sure. But I do think he's the best person we can put next to him at his price point right now. Sure. If they brought somebody back in, if we're talking about the kind of difference maker that you're alluding to there, the money they would have to pay that guy is going to cost them other pieces on the team, right? Whereas Kaminga's still on his fucking rookie deal. If they, if, if he can give them 25 a game, in fact, here, let me put it this way. Here's the thing I like. It's not just Kaminga's rise. It's Wiggins' rise over these last few games. Yeah, it's uh, J.K. over the last three has been averaging 26 a game in more than 37 minutes per game. Finally, he's finally getting that time. Wiggs is averaging 20 points per game and has only missed eight shots over three games. He's gone 22 of 30, you know, and the thing that makes me most excited that I'm trying to like take this small sample size and then suggest it's going big from here is that it's coincided with Draymond's return. The thing we've been really worried about is that Wiggins and JK could not play together. They had a combined minus 106 in lineups where they were together. Since Draymond Green has been back over the last five, the lineup that features the three of them are plus 43. They are succeeding together. So I love the idea that it's there. And just in case I need a little bit more support here, you know who believes in JK's future? Draymond Green. Let's hear from Draymond on that subject exactly. Uh, piggybacking off Marcus's question, what's been your approach to hyping up or mentoring Kuminga as he sort of, and earlier in the season, struggled with his role and, and now getting more minutes, getting more of a role? How have you been in his ear and helping him? Uh, 
You want to know what I tell her? That's what she There's had. nobody in the world that can stop you. And then he believe it. And he go and show that there's no one in the world that can stop him. Um, I think trying to, you know, show him different things when thing, when, when the opportunity presents itself, uh, you know, but yet also not over-talking to him, you know, not making him think about everything. All players don't need to think about everything. That's not everyone's role to think about everything. I think for me, I try to uh, show him different things that I know or that I pick up on that he can possibly pick up on and, and that'll make a difference for him. But I'm not going to sit here and act like, man, JK's playing great. It's all on me. Like, he put the work in. Um, he's that talented. He's that good. And so, uh, you know, as one of the leaders on this team, you just want to continue to breathe life into him. Uh, you know, continue to make sure that he know he has the utmost trust from us. I'll add another thing I like, and Wes, you kind of noticed this. I like the move. If you feel like you've got a really good answer, if someone's asking you a question, it's like a softball question and the people are listening. I like the move of right. underlining how great your answer is going to be by repeating the question <laughs> first. Right. Oh, you really want to know what I think about this? And then you just drop hammer. So, and he pulled that thing off perfectly, dude. Good for Draymond. You know what I want for dinner, server? I'll tell you what I want for dinner. <laughs> I want that New York strip, medium, rare. Wow. <laughs> And it's just like, oh, why don't you lean in a little bit? Because I'm about to drop fucking fire. Here. That was maybe the shortest Draymond Green answer to a question ever also. And that was long. <laughs> uh, and one of my favorite sort of like inside baseball thing here. But like when one reporter says, can I piggyback off of the other reporter's question? It's one of my favorite slash ridiculous things that that we as reporters do. And it's and I've, I'm, I've done it. I've, I've did it like two weeks ago. And it's like you sound so stupid. Saying you, it, the um, here, let me, I'll make it personal. So, I haven't, I haven't been to a practice for a while, but I used to get like enough and go. Hopefully, I'll go again this year. And one of the silly things I would bring is that if I asked a question and then the answer to that question would show up in an article, I'd feel hella good. Like, up, oh, I fucking <laughs> asked a great question. Like, ah, oh, you had to use my information. Is that a thing that you guys do? Like, does that matter? You know, like, are you secretly competing with the questions that have been asked and seeing which one of these things ends up going public? That's definitely a thing. Um, if you get the viral quote, that's always good, especially if the quote gets attributed to you in your question or if, yeah. like, the video of it goes around and you're the one asking the question. You're like, uh, <laughs> Some people care about it more than others, and those people annoy me. Some people, no, no, like it. You're you do this. Like there are people who, like, you have a product. You have you have a podcast that you put out. It does feel like sometimes people like just go to these things to just try to like it. Anyway, you you can tell when the priority mean. is just yeah, that. No, I tell and, you. And um, but I'll say this: it, I've gotten to the point where if my quote, if the if the quote that is in response to the question that I asked is high up, is like the first quote in an article written by a competitor. And I don't really have any competitors at this point because I'm no longer like a quote-unquote beat writer. But if if it's in like the newspaper, I was like, oh, like your whole story is based on my quote. I'm like right under the nut graph now. So it's just like <laughs> that. Without this, you had no story. So you're welcome to, for feeding you your copy here. Um, can we go back to uh, what Draymond said about Jonathan Kaminga, though? Sure, of course. Because I think he hits on something really important there, and it's something I wrote about. I, I talked with Jonathan Kaminga before the start of last, or right at the start of last season, and I wrote a story about it. And this guy has so much confidence in himself. I mean, he's literally talking about Kobe Bryant when I'm talking to him and what and the things that he can do. And you know, that's not rare. I mean, that all these athletes have a very you know you know high high you know 
feeling about themselves. But I do wonder, going back to Maxime's point, like this is great. What happens if and when they do acquire a legitimate number two next to Steph? Because that's what they need. That's what they need. And if and when that happens and Kaminga is still on the roster, if, again, he's still on the roster at that point, can he kind of fall back into a new role and and readjust? Because right now he's being treated as we have Steph and we got nothing else. And it's whoever, like the number two every single night is up for grabs and he's going and grabbing it the last few nights. But when, if they were to, for instance, make a trade, if, if they had traded for Pascal Siakam, which obviously isn't going to happen anymore, but if they would have added somebody like that to the roster who needs the ball, where does Kaminga fall in there, you know, hypothetically? So that's the one thing, and that was actually going to be my glass half empty part of this, is this is really dope right now, and this is cool in, in a season that's otherwise not been dope, but what's the end goal here? Wes, do you know how fucking desperate I am to reach that problem? You know, like, <laughs> holy shit, dude. They're, they're fucking currently, what are they, three games under 500? Like, if there's so many other things we have to fix before we're thinking, well, what does Kaminga do if we're in another I'm fine with it. You know? I'm okay um, with it. Have I, fun. I have nice hope things. that, um, I hope that, I mean, what, what people would tell you, and I don't know if it's true, but what people would tell you is that the upside on what Kaminga went through as opposed to what like Jalen Green went through, where Jalen was just given all the minutes ever on earth and every opportunity and all the usage, everything, everything we wanted for fucking Kaminga, right? So we know the upside on that for Jalen Green. We, that's all we talk about. Supposedly, the upside on Kaminga being raised in a championship environment and sacrificed for the win is to be able to deal with that exact scenario, right? Like that he would, he would, he's now had all of the coaching that would help him mentally reach a place where he was good with it. Would, will it actually happen? You know, now that he's had a taste and we can see what he's capable of. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. But if we get there, you know, fuck it. I'll, I'll fist pump. Um, here's how I'll answer it. Just with another embarrassing media story about me. Uh, the, I, I continue to go to some of those practices when they did them on zoom. Yeah. And Kerr was the person we were asking questions to. And I've been to a few practices and I asked him a question and he refers to me by name. He goes, Bram. And I ask it. Yeah. And I'm on top. I'm, I couldn't. No way. You got the Bram? Hey, wait a That's minute. Great. Wait a minute. Then it felt better for a week. I felt fucking phenomenal. That's actually not true for about two hours. Then I hopped on another Zoom with someone I'd never met before in my life. And they referred to me as Bram. And I realized that Bram is <laughs> on my fucking name on the Zoom thing. And that felt like I could have had any name. If I had John in there, it would have been like John. So, you know, you. I thought it was because you have the distinctive voice that he might have just like caught on to your name yeah. earlier. Well, you should have seen how I blushed yeah. when he said Bram. I was like, ah, <laughs> like, yeah, here's my question. Why are you the best fucking coach who's ever coached anywhere? <laughs> uh, Can I tell you my version of that story? Do you care? Please. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. My first year on the beat. Uh, I had asked, it was after, it was the Christmas Day game. The Warriors had played the Rockets and they had done that like junk defense against James Harden where you shade him to the one side. Mm -hmm. And I asked after that game if, um, and that was the year where like Steph got his his hand broken and there was no clay and obviously no KD because he had left and all that stuff. So it's just like a bunch of Eric Pascals running around. And um, I was like, do you think that you could have executed that scheme earlier in the season or did you or are these young guys like kind of getting up to the point where you're able to execute like a, a hyper specific one day scheme yeah. and he he thought about the question and he gave me a great answer steve kerr always gives good answers in these media things two days later somebody's asked asking him about defense or something like that and he says you know wes asked me a great question about this the other day Oh, and I'm just standing there with like with my stupid <laughs> recorder just like oh okay and that was the first time i realized that steve knew my name 
So that was my, I, I remember go. it. It's the first time a coach t- t- uh, refers to you by name or a player or anything. It's special. It's a yeah. Nice. Well, fuck you. Unless you had a name tag on, that is not the same story as I told. Him. <laughs> <laughs> so, that's, so that's the story of how that actually works. <laughs> yeah, I mean, holy shit, dude! I, I was like, oh, what's he gonna say? This is gonna make me feel better. No, no, no. It just no, no. That was to pump me up. Great, great. Go fuck yourself. Uh, let's. I, I've got a brand new segment. One I've basically made for you. Um, but before we do it, I got to ask you one overarching Warriors question. And it's an important one. All right. So the question is, should the Warriors include Andrew Wiggins in a trade before the deadline? And the idea isn't should they in- include him for like some kind of a big difference maker. If like Laurie Markkinen or something's coming back, then that's easy. What I mean is the thing that they're considering now is dropping him just to get beneath the, the tax line, you know, to kind of circle the wagons, use that money, not this year but next year going forward. So in that kind of an idea, do you gentlemen think, should they include Andrew Wiggins in a trade or should they keep him? I'm going to um, tease this. We, we put it out as a vote on Twitter. We got more than 500 votes. I'll let you know the answer at the end of this, but what do you think, man? Should the, should the Warriors keep or trade Andrew Wiggins? Don't, I wouldn't trade him just in some sort of salary dump um, for a couple of reasons. Number one, you don't need to, right? I, unless Joe Lakeup is saying, like, dump him, like, save me some money now. Yeah. That would be the only reason why they would do it. And by the way, we have no indication and there's been no actual reporting that he wants to do that. Actually, all the reporting is indicating the opposite of it. Yep. So unless Joe Lakeup is saying, save me some money, there's no reason to do it for the money. And especially if you're not getting of anything of real value back. So that's why I wouldn't just do a salary dump. The other reason too, is it's much, if you are going to do that salary dump and try to free up some finances, because I do understand, all right, let's free some up. Let's free up some finances to rebuild this thing for next year. But it's way easier to execute that kind of deal in the summer. Right. When a lot of other teams have uh, salaries coming off the books and have some space that they can use that there's no rush to do it now. But like you were talking about brand before, he's kind of on a little bit of a run here. I would be aggressively shopping him now hmm. because fool me once, shame on me. Fool me twice, shame on you. Fool that me exactly. like yeah. 50 times. That's the Andrew Wiggins story, yeah. right? And yeah. so it's only a matter of time before this goes the other way. Um, so if you can get off of him now and actually get something back that helps the team and maybe also helps the finances going forward, then I would do that, yeah. You're shading my – so I'm going to say keep him. All right, but I felt a lot better about that answer before you just added the fool me twice thing, you know? Um, so here, I'll give you my rationale. Uh, what I, any player they could bring in, of all the people out there that could actually make a difference at the $24 million slot that Andrew Wiggins occupies, because that's what he's getting paid over the next four years, nobody would make the same kind of difference as two-way Wiggs, as the player he was when they won that last title in 22. Oh, and yeah, so if there's the any best player ch- in that series, okay, exactly right. You know, and so if there's any chance, if there's fucking any chance he can get back there, then no, don't trade him. Let's see, you know, and the, this three games and Draymond's and that whole plus minus thing I just gave you has, has me feeling like, well, you know, at least give him this season, give him this year. And then you can use the off season to unload him if you need to, which is why what you just said impacted me the way it did, because you're, what you're saying is, well, yeah, this this up and down thing is part of exactly who Wiggins is. That means a down is coming. And so you might not want to wait till the offseason because you could have a fucking down where you're making that move. So I'll, I'll still, you know, glass half full, I guess. Glass half full. This is here and we hold on to him. Um, but I'm not super confident now. Are you? Do you want to hear a fake trade? 
Yes. All right. Fake trade idea. Andrew Wiggins and some other salary. Gary Payton, Kevon Looney, maybe something else, uh, whatever, to Portland. And you get back Malcolm Brogdon, who's a better, not better at his height, but more consistent than Andrew Wiggins to, on both sides of the ball. And Robert Williams III, mm. who is not going to play this season, but I think when, I think this season's in the toilet. Forget it. Like this is like nothing's happening this year. Maybe you make the play-in tournament. Congrats. Whoop de do. It's about next year. Robert Williams comes back next year. You have a legit rim protecting, rim rolling center who could pair with Steph. I I like that a lot for Golden State. I don't know that Portland would do it. I don't know. It, it just depends on what they think about Wiggins. But if you're looking at the kind of player that they need to fit that roster, it would be a, a wing like Andrew Wiggins with that kind of size. You know what I really like about that is that outside of this year, Robert Williams has been healthy his entire career. I mean, he's just been he's been giving us 80 games a year. He, he's always going to be there. So I'm sure next year he'll be fine. Unless they included eight extra ACLs and a bunch of different knees. No fucking way I make that trade. Robert Williams isn't is a, a stretcher waiting to happen. The fucker never plays more than 20 games. Fair enough. So two things. One, I know it's a sample size of one. As in, there's only been one postseason that Andrew Wiggins has played. But it very well might be the case that he is the epitome of a 16-game player. That he needs real stakes to actually care. It's a long season. We saw him in Minnesota realizing that he wasn't going to go anywhere with that squad. So why would he try? As soon as he realized, oh, there's an opportunity here to win a title. Now, does one ring make the second one less interesting? Potentially. But... I think it's worth hanging on to him because there's a chance that we can make the play-in. And this brings me to my second point. Wes, don't you cover a team in the East that made it um, from the play-in tournament to the finals uh, as, as soon as last season? So I feel like if anybody is willing to admit that it's a possibility to make a run in the postseason, if you can just get into it, it's somebody that, you know, it's the Miami Heat, right? I think it's the same thing here. If we can make it into the play-in tournament, Wiggins realizes there's some stakes. I don't know, like I said, sample size of one, but there is the potential that he turns it on and actually gives us a great run and becomes that number two player again. I'm still very haunted by what Wes said because as much shit as I want to talk, Brogdon and the corpse of Robert Williams is more valuable than Minnesota Wiggins. You know, I mean, like that, like they had, so if that's, if that's what we're looking and I, I hope you obviously, I know I agree, you and I agree, Maxime, and I hope that he can, you know, go up, but. If this is just the up portion of the down cycle, uh, yeah. I and he's not. We, we actually have evidence that he's not a 16-game player. He had one good playoff run, but even with that one good playoff run factored in, his averages in the playoffs, he shoots 46% overall, 32% from three-point range. The rebounds even last year, remember the Warriors made the playoffs last year? They went through two rounds. His yeah. rebounds were down by two a game than the year previous. Um, his steals were down. His three-point shooting was below 30% in the toilet. His field goal percentage overall was in the toilet. He didn't get to the free throw line hardly ever. His turnovers were not good. His fouls were up. Like, I don't know. Like, I and I I kind of still like Andrew Wiggins, which is the weird thing here. But it's I don't I yeah, if you wanna if you wanna use the eighth the heat using the eighth seed to go all the way to the, the finals last year as proof that it can happen, be my guest. Heat fans are doing it with me right now. It's fine. <laughs> But there's a reason it's literally never happened before. It's a, it's really not a good plan. What we are, I mean, really, the the focus here isn't can the team rally and then suddenly make it if they get to the playoffs. The the rally here is Wiggins specific, man. You know, and what we got to bank on is like whatever the hell happened is mental, not physical. If if this is like if he had an ACL and then he came back 
and he's just terrible this year, there wouldn't be any hand wringing. This is who he is, you know, like mm -hmm. we would know, you know, but there isn't that thing. There isn't this reason like why he's suddenly been zapped of his skills. Like it was fucking space jam. And so that's what that gives both optimism and pessimism. You know, pessimism is this is what he always does. It's just a matter when he doesn't care anymore. Optimism is it's some mental thing. He's he over does now. always somehow he, he will find a time to respond and just sort of go on a run because he's just so uber talented. It's almost like it's impossible for him not to go on a good run. If you're the Warriors, you're just hoping that that good run hap just happens in the playoffs and you catch lightning in a bottle, which is what happened during that finals run. But again, that's not an awesome plan. But if that's yeah. what you got, that's what you got. So yeah, let's also remember that it was De Andrew Wiggins was D'Angelo Russell before. So they've already upgraded that spot. <laughs> If, uh, there you go. Something I don't like. D'Angelo Russell's happy face. That fucking Laker game that they lost. Right when I thought I couldn't be more frustrated, they showed Dilo turning it on right before the trade deadline. It's just peak Dilo. I, I, I absolutely cannot stand. It's it. why I love him. It's just right. it, no shame. To the segment built for Wes. So um, I was at the 76ers game, which was a ton of fun, and uh, shot to the Chase Center crowd. Um, I was really impressed with their participation and enjoyed that game and the entire experience. But while I was doing it, I was there with a friend and we started doing over-unders for championships for players. And I really enjoyed it and started thinking, you know what? I'd love to do this with somebody who does it for a living and legitimately hand-selected you because you, unlike most of our guests, have been on both conferences. You have worked in the uh, Eastern Conference and the Western Conference, and you're also a phenomenal combination of like journalistic integrity and then just random passion you know so that's exactly what we want here so i'm going to give you a player give you a number you tell me over under championships for that player and to illustrate it and give you a uh, probably easy one we'll start with the wemby 0.5 will will Wembenyama at some point in his life win a championship I'll, I'll try to get this down in like 40 seconds so um, the Greg Popovich question is a real one, whether or not he even cares about coaching at that level, I think is a fair one. I think he's really enjoying kind of this part yeah. of coaching. Uh, but then what happens? What's the succession plan with him and not only him, but also RC Buford and that whole thing. And how do they go about building a contender around Victor Webinyama? Does Victor Webinyama spend his entire career in San Antonio and all those things? So those are my big questions, but yep. because he is so freaking talented, I'm going to go over. Yeah. Um, and I, I would also take the over Maxime clean sweep. Yeah. And so let's let's make this a little bit harder. All right. For the rest of these, we are, I mean, fake, but assume you are wagering something that means something to you. Mortgage payment, rent payment, car payment, something, money that you need. Right. So you want to win these bets. The next number, 0.5. The player, Jimmy Butler. Does <laughs> Jimmy Butler have another title in him, Wes? Another title? How many championships does he have? <laughs> have a title in him. Sorry. Have a title in him going forward. Oh, jeez. <laughs> that felt personal. Didn't I? Didn't it? Wasn't at all. I, yeah, it wasn't meant to be a shot in any way. Oh, I know. You guys in the Bay Area are used to just having some. <laughs> um. Uh. All right. So there's there's public persona Wes, who has a job to do and a reputation yep. to uphold. Yep. And then there's real life Wes, who you guys know. <laughs> and I think they would have two different answers to yeah. this question. Give me the safe one. They're going to win it this year. <laughs> shit. Can I give you the, I'll give you the real answer, please. I don't think he ever wins it. And I think it's okay because and I think that's actually going to be his legacy is he just effed up a lot of people's plans. And he, that was basically his career. And in, in 
like the coolest possible way. And he's going to go down as maybe the strangest NBA career we've ever seen. Yeah. Huh. Because he's a regular season good player, a postseason bona fide superstar. And I don't know that we've ever seen that kind of yep. flip switch in any other player before. And then when he goes total Super Saiyan, he drags his team that's less talented than the other teams that they're playing to the NBA Finals twice and got, into a, got within a shot of doing it three times. Yep. It's the wildest career I think I've ever seen. I think we might ever see in the NBA. And it's going to fall short of a championship, but I think he's going to be in the Hall of Fame anyway. And, and I think we'll remember Jimmy Butler in a weird way in a way that you would remember other people who have won three or four titles, you know, yeah. I mean like that he's, he's you would, done you would think things. of him as a winner, despite the fact that he's never won the yeah. biggest. No, that's, I, I think that's a phenomenal answer. Um, I will, I'm going to adopt what you've said to also agree with you. I'll take the under, but because I think his mentality, you know, like Butler will never get, for example, like the Gary Payton title. He's not going to go later on and just get a title just because, you know, like right. I think he wants to be the guy and I'm not sure he'll get that chance. Um, you give me a fake trade. Let me give you one. All right. The Warriors receive Jimmy Butler. Ooh, okay. Heat receive Chris Paul. So his contract's off. 30 million that they can spend any way they want. Jonathan Kaminga, Moses Moody, Brandon Podjemski, and a first rounder. We're doing this before the trade deadline or over the summer? Mm -hmm. This year. Call it in. Let's go. Yeah. Would you do it? Uh, I think Jimmy Butler, you, Jimmy Butler's due for an extension this summer. You got some real questions there. You can eat like, the Chris Paul thing you can get off of, like you said, you get some young pieces and some picks back. I'm not sure how Kaminga fits in with all these guys. I'm kind of out on Moody, but Pods is really good. The Heat worked out Pods actually uh, with uh, Jaime Haka as they, they were there for the same workout. Can you imagine so, how good he'd be there too? I mean, he's a he's a fucking he's a he's a oh, yeah. heat culture dude. Like I can yeah. see him absolutely getting in there. He'd, he'd get a little bit like darker. He'd start you know throwing a little few more elbows. There'd be like a little bit more physicality. Um, if we think that they're going to move off of, if the front office thinks that they're going to have to consider trading Jimmy Butler in the summer, then you do it. I hesitate to say just do it now because I'm really not sure what you're getting back and all of that in terms of proven pieces. But I don't know. It's interesting. Um, I hope it happens just so Jimmy Butler can call me Bram on a Zoom press conference. I mean, you know, I mean, it's the small things in life that really get you there. Uh, all right, Maxime, I'm going to give you a very hard one. Ready? Oh, great. Point five, Steph Curry. Oh man. Well, if we have Jimmy Butler, I'm taking the over. Here you go. You, we, what we have. I mean, who knows what happens? We have a front office who's trying very hard. We have an owner who will spend anything he can. You know, I mean, it, you know the parameters on this. What do you think? It, will there be another title for Mr. Curry? Man, I kind of want to be the, even though I don't have the media credentials, want to pull a West and say I have a personal take and I have a professional take here. Um, no, I, 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 it's seeming less and less likely. So if I had to put money on the line, I'm taking the under. It's the money thing that makes it super fucking hard. It makes it super hard, Wes. How would you answer this? I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, I just don't. I don't really see the way out. It's really hard. the money thing is hard. The finances are really kind of tied up into things that you don't want to. Like, it's weird when all of your money is spent into your worst assets, and and you have very little money spent into your almost your best assets. And it's it's almost like the opposite of the eighty twenty principle. <laughs> right. And yep. it's it's just very strange. Uh there, there's ways to get out of it. I just don't I I that if, if that chess move was on the table for everybody to see, uh I haven't seen it. So 
uh, this is where the money comes into play. Yeah. So like, if this is not real money, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm always honest on this show. If it's not real money, if we were just fucking playing games, I'd tell you, yeah, of course. He's the best player I've ever watched. He's still just as good. And of course he's going to get there. If I had to bet a mortgage payment, you know, if I really did, if I had to go right. back and explain to Erica, you know, like my wife, like, oh, okay. Like we got to live in the house. Like, which way are you going to bet on this? Fuck man. Um, they, they haven't, it's not who Steph is. It's that where he is now and where it's been surrounded. And, you know, it's all lottery ticket shit. I'm not saying that they can't do it, but if you had to, you know, it's possible, not probable, which is, uh, which who's is the, what leaves me on the over or the under rather, but fuck, I don't like saying that at all. Who's the perfect, who's the perfect number two to Steph right now? Because it doesn't feel like it is what it used to be. Be. It could be anyone, like Antetokounmpo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, pick, yeah. Literally, pick anybody. Pick anybody. Yeah, sure, Antetokounmpo. That's what um, I was thinking. Like Giannis. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, can you? What's like the closest thing to a Giannis? Like, put pressure on the rim, be a presence defensively. It was kind of Pascal Siakam, oh, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, but he but he couldn't. Yes, I mean, you're right. You know, Jonathan Kuminga if he gets his, his ceiling. I I don't of maybe. the people who are available, Wes. I don't. No, that know. wasn't. Yeah, no, that's the problem. I was just thinking like. Even if they're not available, if you're Mike Dunleavy, do you just call and just say, like, what it, what's it going to take? Like, yeah. you know, it, what would it take to get X, Y, and Z? I don't know. But that's, but yeah. I think he has to do that, you know, so at least they yeah. can say that they, they ultimately tried it. All right. Um, less depressing question. Who gets more titles between these two? Anthony Edwards, SGA. Oh, geez. Who gets more? Huh? That's a great question. Um, I'm going to go SGA only because he's better already right now. So we already know he can get to MVP status. And I think Anthony Edwards is going to get there, but we already know SGA is there right now. We know SGA could be the best player on a championship team. We project that Anthony Edwards is going to get there. And I think he's going to get there, but we already have it right now. So there's that. And then plus all the assets that they have. The one thing I will say is, the guy in charge of the Timberwolves, Tim Connolly, has never, I don't, he's built championship teams. Like he basically built the Denver Nuggets yeah. that won the championship last right. year. Sam Presti has never won a championship. He is really good at drafting players and acquiring for, and trading good players for first round picks. He's very good at that. He has not ever proven the ability, even with Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook, and James Harden, mm. to build a team that actually wins a championship. And he only ever really got there even close once. And so that's sort of my thing with Presti is he's kind of like the Eddie Van Halen of general managers where it's like, okay, I know you can shred, but can you do the slow stuff too? No, I, you haven't proven it. You haven't proven it to me. You can't do the ballad. And so I, I'm not saying he can't, but he hasn't proven it. That hasn't, that record hasn't come out yet. So that's where I'm at. I love at this. It. I'm also not going to say we are, I promised 30 minutes. We're already over. So I'm going to push this to the next one because there's two people I really want an answer here for. All right. The next one is personal. Point five, LeBron James. You take the over or the under? I go over because he'll hunt it. He'll hunt one. That's exactly that's it. He will do a Gary Payton title if he needs it. He you has. know, the he'll join like if just, just to get into, to really solidify the, uh, the conversation with between he and Jordan. All right. Our last one, Maxime, you're going to go first on this one. The number again is 0.5. Joe Lacob. So assuming that, you know, Warrior fan, like we're not going to have another owner. This is, this is the guy going forward. So I'm really asking you, is there another title coming our way at any point 
during this Lake of Ownership. 0.5. Do you take the over or the under going forward for Lake of Titles? What a fascinating question. Oh, I'm assuming we're only talking about the NBA. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I thought you were going to ask over under two and a half franchises. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, which I would take the over. Um, yeah. Dude is voracious. Uh, 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 thanks, Wes. I appreciate that. Um, yeah, yeah, I'll take the over. I'll take the over. I, I, I think it's Lacob seems to me to be, and I could be wrong. I don't know the guy, but he actually has a little bit of the combination of like desire to win with willingness to put people that are smarter than him into positions of authority. And sometimes he forces them to make a decision that he wants, but I think he sees that as a business decision. And at the end of the day, if he sees there's an opportunity for a title, I think he might cede the floor to smarter minds. Um, and so that's a nice combination. I love that. Uh, you are going to be our final answer, Wes. You're the, the definitive one. Um, I'm going to take over as well. One for my mental sanity, <laughs> but two because of this. So I, I Everyone always said when the Warriors were first coming up who they wanted to be is San Antonio. And I genuinely believe if you ask Lakeup, that's not the answer he would give. I do not that I think in his in his deepest of hearts, if he was a couple of glasses wine deep talking to somebody who he trusted, he would say, I don't want our team to be San Antonio. I want me, Joe Lakeup, to be the next Jerry Buss. I think he wants to be responsible for the turnaround of a team. And I think he wants that team to not be dynastic just once. You know, like Bus did the first dynasty with Magic and Kareem, waited a while, then via trade and draft, did the Kobe Shaq one. You know, and I, I think that Lacob mm -hmm. is going to use every every one of the considerable amount of resources at his disposal to try to reach that. And so again, if I had to bet, you know, possible versus probable, I think it's probable. I think he's gonna put everything into this shit to get at least one more. Um, I don't know if it'll be with Steph, but I do think it'll happen at some fucking point. What do you think, Wes? So winning championships is really hard. It's never a guarantee. You can't say for 100% it's going to happen. They could get really close. They can get back to the finals and lose. That is totally there. That said, I think it's as a sure thing as there is that Joe Lake will win another championship. Like, it's not 100%. Nothing is. But I feel really good in saying that. If you want to know what post-Steph this era Warriors is going to be under Joe Lake up, just look south at the LA Clippers. He's going to be Steve Ballmer. He's already built his palace. That part's already done. Yep. He's has a wide open checkbook, checkbook and will. To Maxime's point, the guy's a lunatic for winning. And I mean that in a complimentary way. Yeah. I, you know, yeah. and I've said these things to his face before. And he's like, yep, that's me. Um, <laughs> and then like told me a story about how he got hit by lightning on a golf course once, which I'm not sure <laughs> is true, but he, that's what happened. And then, um, so, yeah, this this guy's going to do whatever it takes to get uh, the best chance possible to win. And I think the next version, as much as we love, like, they drafted Steph and Draymond and Clay, and it's all homegrown and all that stuff, cool. That never happens. That's why it's so special. The next one is very much going to be, let's go get a superstar. Yeah. Very, very Jerry Buss, right? Yeah. Let's go get that superstar. Let's get the other one here. All the superstars flock to me in my Egyptian yeah. palace of an arena. Um, like, that's everybody comes here. Everybody wants to play. For old Joey L. Like, that's what he wants to do, you know? And so, um, yeah, I think he's going to do it again. And by the way, if Warriors fans are like, oh, my God, we don't want to be the Clippers. Look how bad that does. That looks. And it looks good now. But, like, you do what the Clippers did four years ago, 
10 times out of 10. We can get Kawhi and Paul George. This is the worst possible version of that reality, of all the universes. The one that has, we're living in is the worst version of it. And they might still go to the, the finals with this version of it with James Harden. So oh, yeah. because Steve Ballmer keeps spending and keeps acquiring and keeps trying, what's interesting is that the three richest owners and the three owners that are willing to spend that way are all in the Western Conference. You've got Joe Lacob, you've got Steve Ballmer, and you've got Matt Ishbia in Phoenix. So you're going to have a spending spree with all right. those three teams. And they're like, that second apron thing is really funny. We don't really care about it. Thank you for giving us even more of an advantage because we're the only three owners willing to spend over that. And everybody else is playing under that. Look, um, forgive me for this. It probably won't land. I'm going to make a Willy Wonka reference. Yeah. So Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Yeah? The the whole thing is that the, the, the Johnny Depp the version. Or? Uh, no, no, no. First one, although it happened in the Johnny Depp version too. Mm. Um, but the analogy here, championships are like that golden ticket, and, you know, and you can do it organically and get lucky. You buy the bar. It just happens to be in there. Or you can be like, was it Veruca Salt? I remember the one who came You remember the, the uh, character name. Wow. Sure, but I, I might be off. There was on, one. There was the rich oh, there's uh, definitely family a girl that just they all they did was buy them. And, then and they that's who I'm looking for is yeah. the rich one. There was, you know, most of the characters had to right. get lucky and do it organically. One's parents was so fucking rich. They bought a million candy bars. And of course, they got a golden right. ticket. You know, we've got a very rich dad. You know, Lacob's going to fucking spend that money. The story is, very, it's like yeah. you guys were Charlie, and now you're Veronica Somersault. No, it really is. Veruca <laughs> uh, Salt. You show her some respect, but I, I'm not sure if I'm right on the character name. So if, you, if you're out there, Google it and let me know. Um, last thing, okay? And this is not one. I, I, I wasn't positive we'd have time for today, um, but we have a segment that's also perfect for you, and I had a – a recent experience that triggers a segment. So let's do it. It's called basketball court. The idea is, Wes, you are now a reigning justice in our basketball court. You are a judge. I occasionally okay. have social interactions that go down. I get all upset about them, and I need someone to tell me, is this acceptable or not? Right? Do I need a hammer? Well, had, say that again? No, you, you have one? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Gavel it I up. Don't. I right? actually don't. Have any tools? Okay, that's okay. Not all, all we need is your social mind. Yeah. So some background. Every time I fly with my wife and kid, my wife does the same fucking thing, and it drives me crazy. She will not go to the bathroom until we are about to board the plane. We're always on Southwest, right? We're all waiting there in our little fucking groups, mm. and then right before it boards, she takes Erica or she takes Kylie, and they go to the bathroom, and I throw a little fucking temper tantrum. And I tell them, like, I'm not saving you a seat, and I'm just going on, and you're not supposed to do this, and they don't care at all. They just go to the bathroom. And then I get on the plane, and I hold their two fucking seats while everyone looks by, walks by and hates me. Because you're not supposed to hold seats on Southwest, man. So this last time, I was recently on a flight, holding two seats, and a person stops and lectures me on it. They tell me you are not allowed to do this. Uh, an know? employee or just a... Uh, no, just no, no, no. It's an employee, fine. It's just a, a person who happens to be walking by. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Um, I'm, I, I sit on the aisle, leaving the middle and the window seat open. He tries to get to the window seat. I stop him. You know, no, 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 I'm saving these scenes. And he lectures me, you're not allowed to do this at all. And then off he goes. The question isn't for him, although I think, you know, a little bit too much. It's for me, Wes. Is it socially acceptable to get on the fucking flight and hold seats on Southwest, even though I love this question. it's not allowed? I love this question. What row were you in? Uh, pretty early, like towards the front, like maybe four or five, uh, cause we were boarding group a, so like, yeah. you know, like, yeah, up if you're going to do that, you gotta, you gotta saddle back to like 15, <laughs> you gotta, you gotta move it back and you say, all right, I, I can, I'm going to do that. And this is the price. This is the deal with the devil that I'm making here. <laughs> that, that would be the only thing. 
can I can I recommend something? Please. Uh how how old is Kylie now? Eight. It's a little is she still playing with dolls? Yeah, sure. Oh, eight year old girls still do that? Okay. Yeah. Grab like a couple of her dolls and put them next to you and then just pretend she's in the airplane bathroom. Genius. Oh, holy shit. I thought you were gonna say pretend that like they were real people and just hope people would not want to fit with me. <laughs> what do you mean my seats are clearly did you taken? See my wife and kid are here? It's like, what the fuck is wrong with you, man? <laughs> Yours is a little bit more reasonable. I, think so. I would think so. <laughs> All right, well, and that's our basketball camp. <laughs> All right. That's the entire thing. That's it. Basketball. Why'd you call it basketball court? You could have just called it court. Uh, because it's a fucking basketball podcast, and basketball court is like a, no, I I understand thought, a really clever name. Podcast. Yeah. What if you then if you understand it, what the fuck are you asking me? Why it wasn't about basketball. basketball. <laughs> oh, I forgot to tell you that when the person asked me to move, he was holding the basketball. I should have added that. Mm. Were, uh, it was actually Joe Laco. <laughs> you know, it was. It was. I said, Dad. Uh <laughs> Wes, we missed you. Thank you so much for coming back on. I know that everyone listening needs way more Goldberg in their life. Uh, Where do they go? Uh, Check out Locked On NBA. I do it. We're recording this on Thursday. We do this. I do it every Thursday night with my co-host, Adam Matas. We do a really great show covering the NBA um, and all the top stories. You can check that out late Thursday nights, probably Friday morning. So uh, just check that out. You know what? Let's Let's just hold it there. Boom. Um, you know where to find us. We're actually starting up a new podcast where we'll be reviewing old roll doll books. With that in mind, go Warriors, and hopefully, we'll see you real soon. Good, good.